CabanaDeprived.com is proud to present Top 8 Magic Podcast with Michael J. Flores and Brian David Marshall. Brought to your ears thanks to FaceToFaceGames.com. Seriously, BDM, I'm telling you, I think Terramander could be playable and constructed. I know it looks a little weird. There's a lot of creature types, but I, I, I think it's a potential impact card maybe in breaks? Well, it's a good thing we're doing this blue set review for Ravnica Allegiance three weeks before Mythic Championship Cleveland. We're not fooling anybody, are we? <laughs> no, but would we have picked Terramander to be good? Uh, you, you actually did. Yeah. You actually told me you like Terramander a lot. Yeah, it's like a Delverish card. Speaking of Cleveland, the site of the last Mythic Championship, I went to a Cleveland game last night. You did? At the Garden. By the way, this is Brian David Marshall, Michael J. Flores. It's a Top 8 Magic podcast. And we know we owe you some set review pieces. We might, we might get back to that. But we might get, yeah, we might. But not today. <laughs> but, I mean, the Pro Tour has already happened. I feel a little, you know, you know, cart before the horse. Sure. Sure. Can't really get the shit back in the cow. <laughs> um, Do you think there's people who try? Who try what? Get, get the, the shit back, back in the cow? Oh, is that I, like I know there are people who try. Yeah, okay. You think that I invented that, that <laughs> statement just now? There's probably a long-standing tradition of Canadian farmers, uh, specifically, who Interesting. Yeah. We need fertilizer next week, Bessie. No. So you, you, went, you went to the Knicks uh, Cavaliers game? Yes. What I like to call a win-win. Yeah. Because <laughs> if, we, if, we, if we had won that game, yeah. we actually, you actually fall to, the, to second. To the bottom. Second, second worst. Yeah, because the so Suns are worse than both of us. Suns are worse, worse than both of us. So, um, I, I tell you, so first of all, I was so pissed for the first part of the game because SeatGeek sent me get, tickets to the Magic game from two days earlier, right? Mm. And like... It's, and so Th- those weren't good enough to get in. <laughs> so my wife is just like tearfully calling, you know. But apparently they had customer service going at seven thirty. Thank goodness. Oh wow! And um, we eventually well, they kind of have to, right? Because stuff like this happens. But we that's ev- when things start. And we uh, eventually got our tickets. I got in in time to see Jordan Clarkson hit that like three quarters of the floor three pointer. Yeah. Buzzer beater that apparently didn't beat the buzzer. <laughs> but on like the Cavs Instagram, they're like. We know it didn't count, but don't don't but, pretend you're not impressed. But this is cool. Yeah. So I, I then um it was the thing that was weird to me was I mean this is like you know two idiots hitting each other with paddles, but um you know there's like four four minutes out right it's like you know eight off the clock in the in the fourth and Nick are up Knickerbockers are up by nine I'm like oh, I had good really good seats I was like you know just up from the floor people are just like getting up and leaving yeah and I'm like. This game isn't really over, you maybe, know. Maybe they were sad that we were winning. We don't want to win. <laughs> well, um, and the Cavs, you know, just hit a ton of. They played some good defense. Hit a ton of threes. That Robinson fellow, you have your Mitch, Mitchell Robinson, your young center. Perhaps you've heard me talk about this on some form of entertainment with Marshall Setcliffe. Really good. It's really good. I mean, really good. Like I watch. I mean, you, you. We were so Brian and I were texting during the game last night, and you're like, "Oh, he's going to get in foul trouble," and he did foul out. <laughs> You, you called that's that still one. his problem. Well, that's that's yeah. been his. The one thing that's kept him from getting much gaudier minutes is he's fouled out many times this season. Well, I mean, I guess if you foul out on twenty-one minutes, I'm not, I'm not sure how you can how you can yeah. do starters minutes in the NBA, yeah. right? So. But but he had a he had a like a streak of games like back-to-back games with 
double double and minimum six blocks or minimum five blocks. And the list of people who've done that in their rookie seasons is just all goats. It's, just like it's David, mono goat. Just like David Robinson. The floor, the floor on the list is Alonzo Mourning. That's the floor okay, on well, the list. Well, Alonzo Mourning isn't anybody's goat, but he is a four-time Defensive Player of the Year. And NBA championship, yeah, right? Yeah, uh, with yeah. the Miami Heat. Yeah, and someone say. whose career was cut short by injury. I mean, by illness. He's really good. Yeah. He's really good. I mean, but it was like David Robinson type players, right? Dikembe Mutombo type players. Dikembe Mutombo is not an NBA champion, is he? No. Uh, if Mitchell Robinson stays in New York, probably he won't be either. We'll see. We'll see. We've got Kevin and Kyrie coming here next year. You think? I think. I mean, you know, zing, that zing, you turn Zinger into, into Kevin and Kyrie. Yeah. So here, here's my problems. I think that Kevin is cool. I mean, I don't know what positions are anymore. I don't yeah, think it's oh, yeah, like positionless. Yeah. If I say he's like the close to the greatest small forward of all time, is that insulting to LeBron? You know, like, because I don't think they really, they, they don't really play the same position, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Even though you put him on the same spot on the floor. Like, Kevin is so long. He's, he has such an amazing mid-range game. Like, you know how they, I don't think anyone should take do you, mid-range shots? Just for, do you know how good Mitchell Robinson is? He looks freaking awesome. Our draft mailing list yeah. actually acknowledged his existence without me ever having to bring him up. People were like, ooh, Mitchell Robinson. Was it pretty Brooke good. because he has really high win per 48? I don't know. I mean, Brooke just like, what Leanne always I just says, saw that it showed up in the, yeah, yeah. In the, in the discussion. Leanne is just like, yeah, Brooke. In the Porzingis thread. I could go to Box Score Geeks and look up whether somebody has a positive or negative win for 48 also. I mean, that's what he does, like, every time. Sure. It's kind of annoying. But anyway. Everyone's yeah, got their thing. He's really good. I have to commend you on that player. Outstanding. Although that that move that Colin Youngbull did, that, like, I mean, obviously, like, Love, Love seems like he's back. He yes, yeah, yeah, he looked good. Game. Colin, Colin Sexton looked great. Yeah, that, that behind-the-back, like, beat three defenders, lay up off the... Off the, the the love outlet pass gave me hope, and that's you never want that. No, no, you don't want no, that. no. But I think Brooke is right. Like the Cavs are so good at power forward, but that you we only have, we have like a hundred good power forwards and no good anybody else really, and you can't play them all at the same time. So I don't know. I don't know what happened. I think you probably have to trade one of Nance Love or Thompson to to get some players at other positions. I'm not sure. Want to talk about Magic? Sure. All right. So. Mythic Championship, my hometown. I feel like I should have gotten, like, a pity invite to that, first of all. <laughs> pity invite to that one. I mean, they gave, like, Pakula a pity invite to New York. I've been in New York longer than Pakula. Yeah. Right? You know, yeah. He got a pity invite once. Okay. I'm just saying. Sure. No pity, no pity invite for me. Long story short, there were no other stories from, from me. Yeah, that was it. Let's that was it. On. JK, um, how's it feel? You're a retiree. Long in the I tooth. mean, you know... It felt pretty good, honestly. Like, I've been doing this for a long time. It's, I mean, 17 years of doing coverage at various levels of but, intensity. Yeah, the levels of intensity is the thing I'd highlight, right? Because I was thinking back, I was just like, people are like, oh, man. Like, it's like you were dying or something. Like, <laughs> people are like, oh, I, I remember beating up. And the thing that, so I, I didn't want to discourage us because the outpouring on social media for you was so heartfelt, Okay. So wonderful, but people were just saying stuff about like, oh, they knew you, or like you were a good guy. I guess I'm really germane to the being the pro tour historian or the coverage aspects, right? I guess. But my point is, just like you know what, it was really when Brian became super active at coverage that we stopped doing as many top eight magic. Oh, that's true. Yeah, like when you were just working an office job for a few years, we like top eight magic for like years at a time. Yeah. 
I'm, I'm working in, in an office I again. I know. I know you have a job. <laughs> Isn't that weird? He has a job. People with jobs are weird. Yeah, it is weird. Yeah. But it's fun. I mean, we're just playing games all day. I'm working. I mean, I can tell people what I'm doing. It'll, it, it, it's They're not just going to get secret. jealous. So I'm, I am uh, designing a game with Zvi Moshewitz. Yeah, so you're just playing with one of the greatest Magic the Gathering players of all time. Yeah. Someone who I've been friends with for more than 20 years. Since he was a minor, I bet. Yeah, yeah, since he was a kid. Um, I, you, know, you know how everyone's talking today about who made them better at Magic? Yeah. I've been making Zvi worse at Magic for 20 years. He's, like, actually played my deck at his first Pro Tour. Oh, I remember, because that was also my first Pro Tour. <laughs> This thing is called How to Keep an Idiot Busy. I'm telling you, I didn't know who this kid was, right? <laughs> but I just, like, he was just talking about it. So this deck had, like, flare, right? Yeah. It was, like, a flare, deadly insect, barb no, sex no, he, I think he had, I think he had added deadly insect to the deck. Flare, deadly insect, and barb sex yeah, deck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> and, like, Arcane Denial, maybe? Arcane Denial and some other counter spells and Feldon's Cane to sort of cycle some stuff back. It was super cool. yeah. Eric Kesselman eventually qualified for an extended, won an extended PTQ with like the Gaia's Blessing version of this deck that would just Armageddon and Wrath yeah, infinite it, times. It didn't have Flare, no. Arcane Denial, Flare or was, Deadly Insect. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> but there also weren't Pump Knights that you wanted to kill. Flare was sick against the Pump Knight. So. Sick. I remember that. Uh, that was, actually, I did know whose view was because he had already top aided Pro Tour LA. Earlier, and so I'd read about him in The Duelist. He had not. This, he, he, he had. played that deck at his first Pro Tour. No. It was no. Dallas. Juniors. Ja- um, Dallas Juniors, yeah. Oh, oh. W- when did he make his first top eight? LA, le- that, later that year? I guess it was probably later that year. Yeah. I remember reading about him in The Duelist. Uh, so, so you probably remember, I mean, I think... Or perhaps The Duelist Sideboard. I read about you in The Duelist Sideboard, alongside such luminaries as Bill Macy, who became a future teammate of mine. Oh, wow. It was, like, back in the day, like, maybe Origins 1995, because didn't you, you played in the Team Championship, right? Team Neutral Ground? Team Neutral Ground. Was it Team Neutral Ground? Uh, there, was, there was some... That was in Atlanta? Was that the Atlanta event? I think it was a national. Oh, I don't know. It, it was a team challenge. There was Team Dead Guy, PCL. I think some version of the Dickheads, but this probably was, not I think this, the Dickheads. I think this was. I think but you guys won, right? So you, I think we're confusing events. Yeah. So we definitely. There was definitely, I think, a team neutral ground that had Steve OMS on it that played in the team challenge in Atlanta, which did was you the. Play in that I did not. Which one did you plan? Because I'd read about it. But in 1997, yeah. at Worlds in Seattle, I played in the Merchant Team Challenge. Maybe that. And I won with my teammates, Bruce Johnson, Rob Nieves, one Stephen O'Mahony Schwartz. That was a ringer. Oh, there's yeah. no way he worked. And then, and then these two kids that Steve knew that no one had ever heard of before. Were they Dan O'Mahony Schwartz and John Finkel? No, they were Dan Burdick. Yeah. And David Williams. Oh, shut the front door. Yeah. Casper? <laughs> yeah. So you had, you had maybe the most famous non-magical magic player of all time. Right. And Dan Burdick is on play design now, right? He's the boss he's of not, play he's design. Not the, he's not there anymore, but oh. he was, yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. So, uh, sometimes called Dan Place, if you, if in you honor ever, of his of his older brother, 
so, grand champion map. So you know the emoji where people have hearts in their eyes? Oh, yeah. If you mention, like, Merchant Team Challenge to either me or Dan Burdick, yeah. we get that emoji for each other. Like, we just, we were like kindred spirits, like deck-building Ice Age Alliances constructed decks. Dan Burdick is a good human being. He, he's a great human being. He's someone I have not spent nearly enough time with, but I, for how close and affectionate I feel for him. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. he's just like someone I'm like, oh, I wish we lived in the same city. He's a good human being. Yeah. That's all I have to say about him. Um, so... Cool. But that was World's 97. That was when Steve OMS got, like, boned on a World's Invite on rating. And so he went anyway, hoping they would let him play. And then they didn't. And I was like, all right, well, let's win a Legends box. And an Arabian Nights box, I think. Yeah. Or, some, or maybe it was an Antiquities box. I don't know. We That's crazy. Once I, uh, once I lost a, a two-slot PTQ, I lost in the top four. I only lost three games all day. Tour them to this fucker in the top four. His name was John Finkel. Yeah. It's the last PTQ we ever played in. That's a lie. <laughs> I won a PTQ later that, that he played in, even though he was qualified. He, like, I'm going to say he called me up. He did. We didn't have cell phones or anything back then. But he let me, let it be known that two days later he got his ratings invite in the mail, right? <laughs> he took my slot to Paris, um, right? I lost three games all day. Two of them under him. Yeah. Right? And, uh, yeah, in the top in top four of a of a two spot. That was uh But you know back I, I, I road trip to a PTQ with John in whatever second LA was, so that's ninety seven. Yeah. We it was me, him, Ben Blyweiss, Hogan Long, I like thirteen New Yorkers. To Los Angeles? To Atlanta. We, you road we, trip? We wrote, rented a van. Thirteen people in a van. In a van to Atlanta for a four-slot qualifier. And you took one of them. I did. I did. It was limited, right? It was. It was Mirage limited. Nice. Did you get Caravex Torch? I think I did have a Caravex Torch. I also had a Ray of Command. Ray of Command way better than Caravex Torch. Um, once I qualified in a Mirage Visions, and I was like criticizing somebody's like play, and I was saying that they were like lucky online. And tight Tommy Gwevin, two-time Pro Tour finalist, tight Tommy Gwevin cut and pasted my tournament report from when I had won this thing and he just he cut and pasted the last line of every round and almost every round was just like top deck torch <laughs> gotta provide <laughs> like, like I beat Matt Wang in the top four and it was like my play was just like I had to be like super tight because like he was beating me on the ground like it's one of those things where you're just like you gotta grit your teeth and follow your plan and my plan was like Small volcanic geyser, elven cash the volcanic geyser, medium volcanic geyser, elvish cash the volcanic geyser, large volcanic geyser. Like that plan. was my plan, right? And I and he was just he had flying creatures, you know, all this stuff. And I, I just I just had to just grip my teeth and I'm like, if I like if I try to play out guys, if I try to like control this battlefield or whatever, these guys are bigger and better than mine. He's actually gonna win. I really just okay, I need to top deck a land. <laughs> Did you do this and but I did it, and I. People were like, "You have three Elven Caches in your, in your deck." Elven Cash is a regrowth, but it costs four. <laughs> GG. I did. I did. I won a PTQ that way. Limited. That's um, sick. You know, Chris Pakula would never accept my opinion that I was a better limited player than constructed player. Um, but for a long time, I mean, just on stats, it was clearly the case I was a better limited player than constructed player. I mean, is were you a better limited player than constructed player? Were people? 
generally worse limited players than constructed players at that time. Because, I mean, there was definitely a pretty... I think there was a pretty steep drop-off in what people knew how to do with a sealed deck or with a, at a draft table. I'm just thinking about myself for that a second. That has really caught up. I'm thinking about myself for a second uh, and, like, my window of of point of view on this is one person's point of view mm. on a limb. Just, these are just experiences I've had in my life. I've exoed multiple Grand Prix day ones that were limited. I have never exoed a day one and constructed, right? I have 3-0'd and, in fact, 3-0-6-0'd quite a few tables at Nationals Pro Tour and Grand and Pro Tour and Grand Prix level, uh, and I've won more money playing limited than playing constructed. Okay. So, um, so the I'm not, which is not to say that I'm a very good limited yeah, I was player. Say, watch out, Luis, he's coming for your job. <laughs> which is not to say that I'm a very good limited player. More that <laughs> to say that I'm not a better limited player than constructed player may give too much credence to my constructive capabilities. <laughs> like, I met this, I met, Patrick Chapin asked me this question, he's just like, what happened to you? Like, and he's just like, your answer to every question is goblin chain whirler or goblin guide now. <laughs> I can't win with anything else. I don't know, I, I feel like I'm a person who came to religion late in life. Yeah. And that maybe if, like, I, I was just, I, was, I always wanted my idea to be the best idea, but it wasn't always the best idea. It was generally not the best idea, right? So I was like, I would stubbornly play my idea, and maybe I was good enough to make my idea win in a lot of these time, a lot of these tournaments. But, you know, I was friends with Dave, really good friends with Dave Price. He could, probably could have just taught me to attack with a lava hound, you know? <laughs> you know? But I would just, like, take a second, like, I don't need to add Talaru and Minotaur to this deck. There's not enough haste at the four. I took Dave's 1997 6-0 deck from U.S. Nationals and just replaced all the Lava Hounds with uh, Talarun Minotaurs and then took that as the deck that I played for a while because I was like, I don't like taking four, <laughs> right? These guys have haste, right? So, you know what I mean? Like, I just, I just, I didn't have the Zen of the Red until my 40s. Would, where would Lava Hound exist if it was in standard right now? People wouldn't play it. I mean, just compare Lava Hound and Rekindling Phoenix. Sure. Rekindling Phoenix is a stiff two of in some red decks. <laughs> compare that to Lava Hound, right? There's not... That haste is not as good as the, the 16 incremental hastes you get later. 5-5 five, five haste with Rhythm of the Wild. Get you don't need it to be a Lava Hound. It could, it could very well be something much worse than a Lava Hound with Rhythm of the Wild. Here's my thinking. I think that Crawl Harpooner... I already thought Crawl Harpooner was probably the most underrated creature card in Standard. Uh, I think Patrick Chapin did a wonderful job with Crawl Harpooner at the Pro Tour last week. Uh, it was super cheering for him uh, on day one when he was undefeated. He lost to Rob Pisano in a deeply contested... I, 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 did you watch that match? I was there for that match. I kind of saw the end of it, and like people, you know, like Rob just trying to make sure he could demonstrate that he had basically... There's no world in which Patrick Chapman can win that game. Yeah. But There's he no world. Draw. Like, he's just... Yeah. Right. But, like, any so, normal human kind of just packs their cards up at that point. There's a spot... Okay, so this is the thing. I think, like, game one's super close. If Pat wins the draw roll, I think he just wins that game. It would have been really tight, but I think he would have won. Right? Uh, because he got robbed to, like, two. Yeah, yeah. With multiple creatures in play. Yeah. But Rob just, you know played a, a, a face-up goblet shrine and had had a backup spell. So I think if Patrick just went first, sure. one, 
Patrick outplayed Rob so badly in game two. It was like, like, it literally every single every single play he dictated, right? Sure. But I think game three was more along the lines of like, I think that Rob had some some deck advantage in yeah. in I mean in any of the games. Like deck advantage is clearly less pronounced in the sideboard games than in, in the game ones. But I think the meaningful decisions like. The turn Patrick played... He had the unchallenged Teferi advantage. Well, the turn that Patrick played uh, Nyssa, I think if he doesn't play Nyssa there and he just plays Spine Finality, he, he might be in a better spot, right? Um, and, uh, but it, it's... It, 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 you're right. I mean, just like, the game got away from him at some point, Yeah, right? I'm like, my, all, all I was really paying attention to was the clock. I, I know that at the end of the game, Rob like played two... Hostage takers and the hostage taker has to have some target at some point other than another hostage taker, well, and eventually it would get the. Well, Patrick played a, a hydroid crisis that. Well, the hydroid crisis was, was available to, yes. the, to the hostage. Yeah, taker. the hostage taker. But then, but then with a hostage taker play, he played like another hostage taker, and there was nothing for it to target on Patrick's side. I guess. I mean, he still has to win the game. Right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. It's yeah, not. Yeah. It's not unreasonable to play for the draw. In yeah. My yeah, yeah. Uh, but that's beside the point. Yeah, I was I, just watching the I think the clock. is super underrated to begin with, and I think Prowler, It is no longer underrated. It is still underrated, and I'll tell you why. Because what what decks do people play Crawl Harpoon on? You tell me what decks they play. I mean, I'm seeing a lot of Gruel Aggro decks for the last two weeks. But, like, they're basically red decks with Crawl Harpoon. No, no, I'm seeing, I'm seeing actually... I, I, I have multiple actual Gruel decks with, like, Domri and... Crawl Harpoon for Crawl Harpooner's main. Yeah, I think you really want Domri, Rhythm of the Wild, and or Crawl Harpooner yeah. because that's what I've been saying. Exploiting the, the 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 buff on the turn it comes out, you could like hit him for five yeah, yeah. once is really yeah really meaningful. I think so. I think that's going to be uh, the next evolution in standard. If that deck can, I mean, that deck seems to me like it should be able to compete with Mono Blue. Uh, it should. I mean, it's, it was it was I. I was playing it before the Mythic Championship and was beating Mono Blue pretty, pretty decently, but it was it was not as overwhelming a matchup as everyone would like you to believe it is. Uh, most of the those, those decks are just really that deck is just really the Mono Blue deck is just really really good. Most of the matchups in Standard are are pretty close. I was actually really surprised that uh, the red deck that made top eight didn't win the Pro Tour. That's a really lopsided matchup. Talking to Luis, Luis had felt like. Uh, Magilton was going to win the Pro Tour when he looked at the bracket. But. Yeah, like, I mean, that's just a raffle stomp through the top eight. Like, there, there's no bad matchups on the way. Like, he, I mean, like, just look at the, look at the matchups. There are three mono blue decks, yep. right? Those are, I mean, he didn't get out of the first one, so yeah. it's, a, it's, it's irrelevant, right? So he loses to Reed, Reed played Autumn, right? And then, but Autumn played against the Esper deck in the finals, right? Yeah. He, uh, I mean, Magilton has a pretty decent chance of losing to the Esper deck in the finals. Yeah, yeah. But I, I actually... I feel like he should he should win, but he has a very decent chance of losing to that one. Yeah. You look at the other ones. There's three mono blue decks. That has to be at least seventy five percent win expectation. I mean, he didn't win, right? Sure. But it's it's a very good matchup, right? So he was up two one. Like in a regular match, he'd already beaten Reed, right? Right. But, you know, Reed yeah, got yeah. him in two sideboard games. So uh, that's three of them, including Autumn. And not taking anything away from Autumn's clearly the most dominant player in Magic right now. I think it's kind of hilarious that Autumn won their national championship, you know, and on a back-to-back, just like, oh, I'll run back this Mono Blue Tempo deck, <laughs> right? Like, in the next week, just wins the Pro Tour. I'm sorry. Mythic Championship won Cleveland. So... I don't care anymore. So there's three of those, right? And then 
Luis's deck is meat to the mono red deck, right? Like yeah. that's a real easy matchup, also. Uh, and then uh, the the white aggro deck. That's the reason I started playing the mono red deck to begin with, because the the white decks were so popular at the previous Pro Tour, like. That deck cannot beat. You draw two Goblin Chain Whirlers. They like the first Goblin Chain Whirler probably beats, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> they just have small guys. You have Chain Whirlers and Lightning Bolts. Yeah. I mean, like Healer's Hawk and Delta Witness. Back with my Delta Vanguard. Block. Pay. Shock. Yeah. I mean, the best is like when you're on the setup turn and they have like a Delta Vanguard. You have Open Man. And you're like Shock, and they're like, Pay. Then you're like Chain Whirler. They're like. <laughs> doesn't even matter. When they attack with it and you block, let your, your Chain Wheeler is probably going to die. And it will have done 12. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. it's okay. Yeah. I mean, they're dead now, right? Yeah. Like, they, there's just, it's so, like, and that's, like, their best thing, kind of, right? The rest of it's just, like, a bunch of one-toughness guys. You've got Chain Wheelers and, like, a one-two stops a pretty substantial part right. of their, their attack force. Uh, and then, like, I mean, they're clearly not going to yeah. beat you when you go off sure. with Experimental Frenzy. So, like, I, I think, like, that's a great matchup. I think the Esper deck has a very decent chance of losing, too. Um, the the blue-green deck, I think I like the red side, but it, that's also a very decent chance of losing. If it's, like, the polychromatic um, taking turns deck, I think the red deck has a way better chance. Like, you know, gates or, like, just a ton of fetch... I mean, I'm sorry, fetch... Uh, shock lands. Like, obviously the red deck is better set up there, but... A deck whose primary defense is only Fogs is actually not that good against against a combination of uh, Experimental Frenzy and Burn cards. So, right. uh, yeah, I thought he I thought he should have won. The, and actually, after sideboarding, Cindervines is a route. You just land Cindervines. <laughs> what are you gonna do, bro? <laughs> like it's seriously like it's like an unwinnable situation for them. So it's funny. I have I have a uh, you were you were talking about just scroll and we're talking about. I was talking to I have a, I have a podcast with Be- a second podcast with Becker. He was in town the other day. That I haven't you, you posted. Did another I one? did another one. I haven't posted it yet. But he he Do actually paid for those. What? Do we get paid for those? I don't know. Do we get paid for this one? I don't know. Uh, Man, he. But he's been playing a ton of Gruel, and he was raving about Cinder. In limited, right? No, constructed. He's been playing it. Everyone's on arena. Everyone's playing constructed now, man. Yeah. Nice. I gotta ask you a question. Mono red guy. Yeah. Or red mon- you know, not mono red, but red burn guy. Yeah, yeah. In modern. Yes. I mean, I'd- this isn't. So just to, to preface this, I my confidence level in answering any question you have right now is very high. Oh yeah. How do you feel about Modern Horizons? What the hell is that? You haven't, you didn't see this announcement yesterday? Oh, the new set. The yeah, new yeah, set. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I haven't seen any of the cards. I but, saw I mean, like a Cabal like, Therapy guy. But, what, but I mean, what is this? What do you think this? Is this going to be something that changes my that, that just like is but it's just like a huge disruptor in the format, right? It's gonna maybe, like, maybe. I'm like, I'm not gonna play that Cabal Therapy guy in any deck, right? It's not that good. Yeah, what about the Angel Planeswalker? I haven't seen it. No it's basically a, a Sarah Angel, play. it's a it's four mana for four loyalty Planeswalker. Um, it's plus one is like. Uh, like plus two, plus two, or something to a creature. Minus three is make a Sarah Angel. No. Yeah, I don't care. To four mana, to four mana Sarah Angel. So the thing that what's its starting loyalty? Four. Wait, so for four you get a four four Sarah Angel, and then it still has loyalty? Yeah. That doesn't really seem like a balanced card. <laughs> 
I'd, I'd have to look at it, right? But this is my this is my baseline thoughts on yeah. modern. If it costs four and it doesn't kill me, I don't care. Almost always those decks lose. Yeah. Um, they're they're it's just the the paradigms are are real simple. Like the people also don't understand how the burn deck works. Um, I'll, I'll give you a really easy example. Roman Fusco is playing in playing burn as usual in the the Grand Prix in L.A. this weekend. He lives in L.A. now. Yeah. And we have had long, torrid arguments about the card. So, hold on. It's called Sarah the Benevolent. So, so there, the character of Sarah is now appearing in Magic the Gathering, which has not happened before. Yeah, Sarah the Benevolent, 2WW, for a 4-loyalty uh, Planeswalker, uh, plus 2, creatures you control with flying get plus 1, plus 1 until end of turn, minus 3, create a Sarah Angel. You create a Sarah Angel. And then minus six, you get an emblem with, if you control a creature, damage that would reduce your life total to no less than one, to less than one, reduces it to one and six. So it's a platy, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, it seems like a, a card that would be excellent against Monterey. So, so, but I mean, this is, this is like, this whole set is kind of like, it's gonna... Oh, it's a worship, not a platy. Yeah, it, but it's gonna, it's gonna like, completely... I can just kill you with a bump still, right? You can. So here, here are the things that, these are the things that matter to me. Okay? But like, it's also, but, but it's weird, right? Like, you have to build for all these linear strategies. Like, if you're the set designer for this, right? Like, do you put modular in? Do you put infect cards in? Do you, do you put, like, do you boost existing things? Do you go make merfolk, like, really good? Do you no make goblins playable in, in... I don't know. Isn't that exciting to you? I added 12 cards to my main deck <laughs> in the last set rotation. That's not something that I anticipated ever happening. Right. Right? 12 cards added, were added to my deck. Okay. Um, and four of them are unspeakably good. Other two are just fungible red red slots, right? But they're still better than the stuff that I had before. Right. So I've had these con- uh, uh, conversations and arguments about the card. Skullcrack. So when I started playing Burn, the first time I won a PP2 with Burn, I played four Tarkus commands in my main deck and two Skullcracks in my sideboard. Over time, we stopped playing green, and we were just playing Skullcracks. And that has morphed, for me, from, at one point, four Skullcracks just replacing the, the, the Tarkus commands to two Skullcracks where I started favoring Lightning Helixes more. So, you know, back in the day, people played two Lightning Helixes. Right. Screw this. You just played four Lightning Helixes. Um, they're fungible in a lot of spots, but there are definitely matchups where you want to have, where the life game matters. Plus, Lightning Heals can hit creatures, right? And that matters sometimes. So now I'm just like, I'm off the Skullcrack, right? And he's like, no, no, we need to have the Skullcrack capability. All right, let me give you an example. The best possible case scenario, other than like a, just you're getting utterly boned with like, Sphinx's Revelation or a Nod of the Bone, right? Mm-hmm. And the thing is, those cards are very difficult to plan and play for because you just, you don't have Skullcrack on demand and you can't afford to leave mana open like in the mid-game a lot of the time, yeah. right? Because the current incarnation of the red decks are very sorcery heavy because of all the spectacles, right? Sure. So you just can't afford to do that. Um, so let's think about a reasonable situation, which is that the opponent plays a card that nobody plays anymore, but used to be like the cat. This is like this is the emblematic anti-beatdown card. It's still available. Some people play it, but it's not popular at all. Locks it on hierarch. Okay, somebody hierarchs, 
and I skull crack them in response. That is a seven point swing for two men. That's pretty good, right? Yeah, it's great. Okay. I did seven points of damage. Seven points swing. If I just play a searing blaze, that's a six point swing for for two mana. I killed a creature. And I didn't have to leave up my mana for like an awkward situation. Right. The thing is like the trade-offs are just not high enough. If you're playing burn, there are some things I think that you just have to accept, which are that bad things happen to you <laughs> and you can't do anything about it, right? right? The things that you get back in return are you kill a lot of people and they hate it. Yeah. And they hate you and they are helpless to your average draw. What you get back in return is being able to eat meals and make phone calls in between rounds. So that's not true for me. I went to time three times in PTQ. Wow. Um, I, I put so so separately. I think of burn. You know, I I take the philosophy of fire very seriously. So in that in that sense, I play burn like a control deck. I'm like these are the these are the units that we're working with. They're just different units than the blue white player is. Um, but anyway, I think that I think that maybe they'll be awesome. Like I, they can't add like a even if they added a two mana deal four, I probably wouldn't play it. Right, like I, I cut all the borrow charms from my decks for bumps. The two mana deal four is way worse than a one mana deal three. That can that can break a worship, right? Just that's just that's life now. Like we we have we added the spectacle cards. The spectacle cards are unreal, right? You know that that I I won the Christmas lottery uh, as a burn player. So the real thing that I think that you have to answer if you're the modern burn guy is how many people are playing dredge. Because if a lot of people are playing Dredge, then just don't play Burn. Just play something else. Like, because there's no realistic way to play against um, to play against Crippling Chill. Right. So, it's just not. So different. That's mo- the name of the Lightning Hill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Creeping Chill. Creeping Chill. All right. There's just no realistic way to play against it. So if people are playing that deck, screw it. We'll, we'll play Elves this week or whatever else. So here, here's a question: because Dredge is certainly a deck that gets some benefit from this <laughs> the next big modern tournament yeah is Mythic Championship London yep yep and there will now be a London Mulligan well so if I'm a dredge player this seems like a great addition not only do I get to look at another seven cards if I don't like my opening hand but if I look at my next seven and decide that I don't want this creeping chill. <laughs> I can put it back in my deck. Sure. Where it does something useful when I shuffle. Or you just like an enabler and a dredger, right? Like right. if you've just got like, alright, I've got like shriek horn in well, my take, opening let's, hand. Let's take the extreme example where you're playing like legacy or vintage dredge. Like you could literally just go down to one card, get so, bizarre bag Here's the thing. I think that this might not be a great tournament to test one in mode. Okay. In part because of that, but separately because this is also a game theory problem now. So is what I'm asking. About. I did. I did an analysis a few years. Ago. I I used to be like a semi-consistent player on the Star City tour, right? So, some somewhere between like 2011 and 2014 or something, I typically played in enough Star City events that I would like be qualified for their invitation. Sure. Like, so, but not like a real grinder who's like making top eights or whatever, but just enough to enough to make the invitationals. And so, I did a lot of analysis of when graveyard decks did well in Legacy. <coughs> And the main thing that I found was graveyard decks would tend to win the legacy top eights when there was lower than an average of five graveyard hate cards in the opponent's sideboards on average. 
they would not get out of the top eight round in tournaments where there were like eight slots. So if some if people were like, you know, four ley lines and four Tormod's crits, right? And like that was the average thing, like the graveyard decks wouldn't win those ones. The graveyard decks would Nor run, should they. But the graveyard decks would run away in the ones where people had where people had like you know one one suite of cards. No, or even like three copies of Leyline or like two yeah. Two rest in peace or something like that, right? Because which is also a thing that people do. Yeah. Okay. They would run away in those ones. So it was much more a function of how lucky the dredge or whatever player was about the composition of the sideboards around them that they would do well. Well, this is a game theory. This is a game theory problem. Yeah. Like one part is I'm a dredge player and the London Mulligan rule is, first of all, it's not insanely better than the regular mulligan rule, unless you're going really deep, right? You can keep a a three-card unbeatable hand if your opponent has no resistance, right? Right. It's like unbeatable. They have no resistance. Um, Because you don't care about cards after the first land, right? So uh, that's a possibility, but if everybody knows that, then you're going to be automatically set up for a tournament wherein you're more likely to face modern opponents that have more than two rest in peace for sake of argument and they have the ability to mulligan into those things. I would say Leyline of the Void clearly gets way better. Way, way better. But at the same time game theory question right? Mm -hmm. In fact as a Just keep going. Just imagine it was hook hands. (laughs) He's running loose in the mall. I was literally on a conference call for. I took a conference call for business, and like, <laughs> in front of the prep, we're sitting in front of the Wasabi Sushi and Bento here in Westfield, uh, downtown New York City, uh, and the same thing happened. They were like, "What is going on?" I'm like, "I didn't actually go into the office." <laughs> Why? I'm like, uh, "Well, I'm in a submarine." I'm like, you know, I, was like, I don't think I'm gonna make it to the office by nine, so instead I'm just gonna take this conference call in a hallway. Nineteen kings only. Anyway. Uh, so, can't I, as the dredge player, now also mulligan to my nature's claim? Uh, like, aren't I more like like if we're if we're gonna do this dance, don't I also I don't get to so. dance? No, because I don't. You, well, you change the thing is you change the you change the the value system. The the reason that the dredge deck is so good is because it doesn't require traditional resources. It doesn't have to tap for its spells for sake of argument. Sure. Right? So you can have one mana, you catalyze off of like a single, let's call it a careful study, and then the, you know, horses are going, right? Right. If you're in a situation where people can counterspell you, right, like that, you're automatically in a bad spot. Well, like if if I'm just playing some deck, I, you know, I'm there, and I'm reasonably certain they're bringing in four ley lines, right? They're just like, jam these four ley lines in, or jam these rest of the pieces in. Don't I get to, like, almost all the answers to to the deck are uh, nature's claimable. Are nature's claimable, right? So, Graft Digger's Cage. No, the I, I, so here's the thing. I disagree for two reasons. One of them is the most recent extrapolation of the Graft Digger, I'm sorry, of the nature's claim argument is KCI, not Dredge, right? Sure. KCI is a deck of enormous incremental resources. It has plenty of cards in hand and plenty of available mana. Dredge does not have plenty of cards in hand and plenty of available mana. What they have is the ability to circumvent the usual rules of magic. When, but, but when you become the nature's claim guy, you're now playing according to the usual I'm rules not, of I'm magic. Not beca- I'm not becoming the nature's claim guy. I'm becoming someone who is looking for to maybe slow play, or, slow play a little bit slower, to not get crushed by my hate cards, 
and to have an answer. And I get to do those things. That's just that's post side. That's post game one magic. It's yeah, never you never play at the same. If your opponent is blue white control, I think that you have an argument. If your opponent is Rakdos burn with with Tormod's crypt or or, or Leyline of the Void, you're going to get raffle stomped if that's your strategy. Sure. Right. So the thing is. The answers typically cost zero mana, and this guy can goldfish you in four turns, right? Sure. So, you know, we've been laying out, like, what's our anti-dredge plan? I'm like, if you really think that you're going to play a lot of dredge, I don't like burn. But this has been my anti-dredge plan for the last two years, including when I, you know, I went undefeated at Star City Regionals two years ago with, with burn. I was just like, I, I am not going to lower myself to play cards like Rest in Peace, Leyline, or Tormod's Crypt, right? I'm just not going to do it. Like, right. that's not such my strategy. Burn decks lose when they commit cards that don't deal any damage and don't affect the battlefield, right? Sure. I'm not going to do it. So my plan is to just side in all my searing effects. Because the way that... The only way I've ever lost my entire life in, in modern is, like, this idiot just keeps summoning Narcomoebas for free, <laughs> chump-blocking my, chump my Swift Spears, gets, like, maybe one or two good attacks in, and then conflagrates me for X. Right. Right? So if I just remove the remove the chump block with my Narcomoebus point of the part of the game, right. and I just get in with my Swift Spear for like four or something. I'm just gonna kill him before he can kill, because he specifically has to come with a conflict, right? Because I'm not, dude. I don't care how free the three three is. That guy dies to searing blaze like everybody else. Okay, and the thing is, they're diminishing their life total at a high rate. The problem now is they get free lightning helix. <laughs> Free Lightning Helix is... That's no bueno. <laughs> that's no bueno. I don't like that. And, like, these, like, street corn maniacs, you know, what are you gonna do, really? Right. If they're just maniacs, they're like... But they're real good against you. <laughs> so here's the problem. Separately, even if you are the Nature's Claim guy, I don't think you can withstand a Pro Tour where everybody has five graveyard needs. I think five is, a, is like... A tipping point number. If everybody has five, you, you five, can't. Five plus this mulligan rule, too? Like, I, I don't even think they, they... You could have the mulligan rule and they won't have a mulligan rule. You won't survive if they have five. Because, like, I'm telling you, when I was looking at the legacy things, and the legacy dredge decks are so much more powerful than the modern dredge decks. For example, they get Golgari Grave Troll. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Just, you know, they have Icarid, right? Like, they have way more powerful graveyard, graveyard type cards. It was really just... Dredge decks won if it was under four. Dredge decks got ranched when it was eight, right? It was just about other people, not about them. Or if their matchup was good or bad, yeah. right? Like, maybe the average in the top eight could have been unfavorable to them, but they got a path where it was only two recipes. The advantage you get is you have, like, a 95% win percentage against goldfish, right? <laughs> like, it's really high win percentage against goldfish. But if you you could just easily play against robots, like, legit robots, not, like, the slow one. Like, you people like the slow one with all the green spells now. First of all, that deck is super hard. Hardened scales? Yeah. Super hard to play perfectly. Yeah, it's, it's hard to play, but it's really good. I don't think it's good if everyone's playing Dredge, right? Like, it could, the only reason is because it's slower, right? Like, like that deck ha could present a much more powerful, much more powerful set of threats that are, like, really exciting, and you're, like, your Wild Growth Walker... I'm not sorry, not your Wild Growth Walker. Your, your Walking Ballista is really, really potent, and you're... Your, uh, you know, your Arcbound Ravager works super hard, but the regular robots deck just kills you, right? Gonna, here's my, here's my hand. It's on the battlefield. Let's go. It doesn't it, look. If your opponents are robots, burn. Maybe not, I don't know about humans. I don't know. Just, are there humans that are good against the graveyard? What, what if, what if there's a turbo fog? Right, like Dredge can't beat a turbo fog. Is that a possible thing? 
Sure. They win by attacking, and they have minimal disruption in modern. In 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 legacy and extended, they always had cabal therapy, right? But in modern, they don't have cabal. Therapy. They'll have a cabal therapy soon enough. And they're not getting cabal therapy. <laughs> you're you're a liar. All right, I have a question for you. I have an answer for you. You might not like it though. Are we thieving? Are we stealing? Are we, are we stealing, stealing sanity? Are we stealing by what we're doing right now? What? By using these seats. Oh, yeah. Tons of people have walked by trying to get one. I mean, you haven't seen them. I don't care. So Mike and I were looking for a place to sit uh, to do the podcast. And there were two places. There was Joe. Yeah. So no, no, no. There's, there's our normal haunt, Joe. Yeah. But Joe has loud music and no seats in the... On the outside. In the, on the outside. But we could have sat in Joe, but we there's loud music. But there's loud music. We bought from Joe. And we bought from Joe. But then there's a place next to Joe. I don't even know what this place is called. Wasabi Sushi and Bento. Wasabi Sushi and Bento. And they have some tables outside. Clearly marked because the tables and chairs are green. match their color scheme. <laughs> like it's, it's very uh, very matchy-matchy. And we're sitting uh, here. And we're sitting here. And we're just it's talking. definitely that. I mean, Steph? The Pret the pre- shows are open. We can go over to Pret if you're feeling real if you're feeling real guilty about something. I'm not feeling that guilty. I'm, I'm just curious. I don't, I don't care about other people. Yeah. I, I, thought, I was, I was, someone I was asked me to move. I was, I was asking if you were going to thieve sanity. Yeah. And the answer is hell yeah. Oh, thieve for sanity? That card is super gas. And yeah. I mean, that was a, that was a great... Um, I, I think I, I've talked about it a couple times now, but there was a great sequence in the finals of the Mythic Championship. Autumn Junigate. <laughs> I was actually... I knew you were... <laughs> what, with the disdainful stroke? Yes, Autumn Junigate. But it doesn't... Yes, it matters. Yeah. Because if Autumn didn't draw Negate, then the correct answer would have been to cast the other spell. On, on the Lyra? I mean, I no, think the so. correct No, the correct answer was to disdainful stroke the Lyra it seems and like keep the Essence Scatter. For Thief of Sanity, essence. but Autumn drew Negate, oh, okay. which means that Autumn had a cover spell for Teferi. Wow. The argument is, you, okay, you Essence Scatter the... You es- so, do I die to... Do, here's, do here's I read... Do I read for Theme of Sanity or do I read for or do I read for Teferi? Right? So depending on the read is the correct card. But if Autumn draws negate, it I talked, doesn't matter. So I talked to Autumn about it. The fear. Yeah. The 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 over just to give you the the card they had the most respect for and was fear of was Thief. Yes. That's where all their alarm bells were going. But Autumn drew negate is my point. Well that's fine. I mean you're still allowed to draw well. No, no but I'm, first of all Nothing against Autumn. I literally think Autumn is the hottest player in Magic right this second, right? On power rankings, I think Autumn is way ahead in number one. That said, it's not that ingenious of a play if Autumn drew Negate. Okay. Right? Like, if, if, Autumn, if Autumn didn't draw Negate, it becomes a really dangerous tension, right? Because if the, if the Esper play is now Teferi, Autumn might lose to the Teferi, right? Sure. Okay? I get it. Autumn didn't think that they could beat Thief of Sanity, and so they retained the ability to interact with Thief of Sanity. That's fine. Okay, got it. But they drew Negate. So, it's it's not that it was were wrong. They, were they holding Negate at that moment? Um, I just heard, I, I heard a different podcast with this argument, okay. <laughs> like, 30 minutes ago. Okay. So, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I'd have to go back and check. I don't think so, but... Um, well, they drew Negate, yeah. That's, that's what I... Like, I don't know. I don't want to criticize Autumn. I'd be much happier to criticize somebody's red deck play. <laughs> Should have played this. Um, I don't know. What do you think about the Mono Blue Temple? I think that that is a fine best deck in standard. I kind of love it if that's the best deck in standard. So I, I talked to Autumn on Thursday yeah. for an interview. We did, a, we did a feature interview with Autumn before the Mythic Championship started. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, normally we want to get... Because we're going to air that on Friday... 
we give people an opportunity to not necessarily say what they're playing. They're like, hey, you got to talk to us about your preparation, who'd you work with, what are you shooting for, who, uh, you know, in the case of Autumn, tell us a little bit about going to the Mythic Invitational in a month, you know. And they were like, super excited. I love my mono blue tempo deck. Same deck that they played in National. Yep, yep, more or less, right? You know, obviously some changes, but, you know, I've been playing this deck a lot, and I feel like this deck compares favorably to, you Other know, Leg- Delver and Legacy, you know. And so, like, I, you know, it was like, wow, that's that's pretty crazy, right? To, you know, I was like, wow, you know, like, you know, no worries about, yeah, nope, everyone knows what I'm playing. I'm playing it. I've played it a lot. I'm going to play it really well. That's like the old Tom Ross. You know what I'll be playing. <laughs> See if you can beat me. Yeah. Yeah. Well. I mean, and then, I mean, it's certainly, you know, also just when the Pantheon shows up playing. Mono Blue. Mono Blue. You shitters. Know. Well, they called their deck Mono Blue Shitters. Sure. Sure. I mean, you know, when Reed Duke, Reed Duke has the option of playing, like, an actual Jun deck. I mean, even though it's Sultai, right? Like, he doesn't have to play the Hydra Crisis. He could have played something else. Yeah, but you know what I mean. Like, they, there's like, there's like a, a perfectly I, popular mid-range deck he could have played. It seems to me Reed did just fine. Yes, I know. With his I know, but I'm just saying. It's Has like, Reed top eighted Pro with Mono Blue before? Wasn't he a Biden guy? I think he might have. I think he cracked the top eight with Biden of uh, of uh, whatever you call it, the Mono yeah. Blue Devotion deck. Yeah. I, I think he did. I'm not sure. I don't think so, but I'll, I'll check. Um. I, I certainly don't want to take anything away from Autumn. I think yeah. Autumn's play was probably correct. It's just not. It's just not as dramatic a moment. I think if they drop. Sure. I thought was, I, 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 I thought the read there of I need to worry about the sanity and this person is trying to trying to draw out yeah. my essence capture for so they can stick a thief of sanity that, you know, hoping that I will set back on my, oh, based on the known information. Had seen with uh, Thought Erasure. Yeah. Oh, based that's, on the that's known information, like, person's like, I'm playing Lyra, and I want you to essence capture it so that you have a, I know you have a disdainful stroke. I want you to play, and I want you to be stuck with that on my Thief of Sanity. I just remember, um, right? I, when I asked... And the negate doesn't answer the Thief of Sanity. No, but it answers... <laughs> But, it but the, the question, Teferi. but the Teferi wasn't a threat. The Teferi wasn't the the, the focus of the play. The tension is there's a, there's a lira on the stack, right? The tension yeah. is is the next threat going to be a thief of sanity? Autumn doesn't know. Sure. What cards are there, right? Right. Is and, the Autumn, is, and Autumn's read was based on the way this person is playing. They want me to essence capture this. Another another. So that they can stick a thief of sanity as opposed to. Well, sticking a, uh, you know, and thought it was more likely than the, if they were trying to stick a, th- a uh, what you call it? Another potential, an, another potential interpretation is, do you remember? We're going to get moved along. Do you there, remember that, that top eight where um, Antoine Ruel defeats Kenji Samura in the Psychotog Mirror? Yeah. And I, I thought that Kenji had like a massive advantage, but I, Antoine just had to play like a streamlined black-blue version. Yeah. And um, I felt like Antoine had walked Kenji into a sequence of plays that resulted in the biggest walk down ever on, just in terms of like two, like a master getting walked into, you know, a dark corner to get beat up by thugs, right? Yeah. And I asked Antoine why he chose, he could have taken a different route because he had a force fight, right? Uh, And his answer was just, I 
I lose to Psychotalk. So I just he wanted to create he wanted to create a situation where his card would be relevant against Psychotalk because his hand couldn't beat a Psychotalk. So it's also possible whether Autumn had the read or not that Autumn was just like, all right, if I'm going to lose a Thief of Sanity, I'm just going to assume the Thief of Sanity is the card on the other side, such that, such that, you know, if I beat N minus Thief of Sanity, then all these other plays are automatically correct from my paradigm. So I have another takeaway from this Mythic Championship. Mm-hmm. So uh, Yoshiko Akawa makes finals with Esper. Yeah. Mid range Esper control, whatever you want. Esper control. I think it's Esper control. Esper control. It's more controlish than the rest of the next standard. Talked to multiple people over the course of the weekend. They're like, Esper control is unplayable. Teferi is no good in this format. Right, everyone's like, tried to make the Teferi work. can't see me rolling my eyes. They can hear you. They can hear you. Um, and one of the people who told me this is Shaheen Sarani. I mean, it's... Shaheen Sarani told me he could not make Teferi work. I will tell you that my assessment prior to the Mythic Championship is that Esper is one of the top four decks in Standard, and I think that's exactly where it is after the Mythic Championship. I don't know why you would come to this conclusion, and I'm an idiot who only owns Drakes and Mono Red. Like, I literally have a full copy of Drakes and a full copy of Mono Red in my bag, so those are the decks I can play, right? <laughs> those are the cards that I bought, right? I could theoretically play Boros, <laughs> but, like... <laughs> Right, I own Boros cards, right. right? But these are the cards that I own. Yeah. Okay, like I have access to many Magic the Gathering cards. I chose these ones. Yeah. Neither of those decks is in the top five, but I think they're very well positioned. Again, both of those decks are very well positioned against Mono Blue, Merfolk, sure. and Wilderness Reclamation, which is all I've played for the past couple of weeks at FNM. Right? Oh, okay. So I had the read. Yeah, gotcha. So, um, are I you think- going to FNM tonight? Uh, well, no, I don't. It's already. It's, it's, okay. it's, it's not possible. Okay. It starts at seven. Also, I don't have my cards with me because I'm. You here. just said you had them in your bag. No, no, my my Magic the Gathering playing bag. Oh, what bag is this? This is just like my my purse that I carry around. It's your bag bag. Yeah, my bag bag. Um, I uh, yeah, I, I usually play F and M. I like yeah. to, I like to to keep my. I have enough Planeswalker points to play in all these tournaments yeah, here. I that mean, are, I that can start playing start playing some F and M now. Now that my weekends are not completely accounted for. We could do that thing where we like. See, but the thing is, FM is only like three rounds. Two, you know. Perfect. No, no, but like, remember we used like podcast between rounds, like yeah. a four round Swiss, and then a top eight, you know, like a Tuesday night magic. You could do that. Yeah. That's like a that's like a plausible podcast. Yeah. Ish. 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 Okay. Because they're like, all right, I won, I won. We're drawing and so, going home. So it's anyway, not an exciting podcast. Shaheen. Yeah. Doesn't do this, so I get to do my. What last... did he play? He played. A, a wilderness reclamation deck that was Saltai Fair stuff. So he didn't play. He did not play. So, so it's just blue green with some black cards. Yeah, yeah. Like so, cast. So it's like cast cast a sorcery on my turn on top. Cast an instant. Doesn't sound very good. Yeah. Well, we got to do. I did a. I did a uh, deck tech with him. It was so it was my last deck tech oh. as a. As a coverage member. But you're just going to have infinite top eight magic deck techs. That's fine, but it was my last, like, mythic championship deck tech. And I got to do it with Shaheen. And I don't do deck techs anymore, actually. I've passed that off to other people on the team because I have, yeah. you know, I do it. But, but it, was, it was very nice. They let me they let me do it with Shaheen. I, I feel so sad, like, all these things that you're saying. I feel like, and the thing is, I see you all the time. <laughs> all those times we, we were going to podcast, we just don't. We like, oh, let's, let's get a coffee. All right. We, eh. Yeah, uh, I, uh, the fans—they're Canadian anyway. 
Yeah, that was nice. But I was very disappointed. I would have loved, I would have loved to. Uh, I think. Do you think if I had told Shaheen that I was retiring, that he would have played blue white? That he would have played control? Just straight blue white. Just unwind. He would have played unwind. Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> I, I he said he's tried to make unwind work. <laughs> well, I think if you play Esper as basically a black blue deck, yeah. I think that that it's like a black blue control deck, and it has you know a little permission. I think that's. I think, like, Absorb is kind of a stretch, which you could see, like, Ikawa only played three copies, right? right? Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's uh, not a... Not like a... Like, a, like Jeskai was a legit blue deck. So you get to pick any deck you want to play for Friday Night Magic tonight, not just the two decks in your bag. Yeah. What do you play? What, what's the deck you would play right now? Um, my, uh, Gruel or Mono Red. Yeah. I, I think I would probably play Gruel, although I would be very tempted to try Raph Levy's Merfolk deck. Oh, I think that it's definitely a deck that I would be willing to sleeve up. That's my, <laughs> that's my, the way that I put that, willing to sleeve that one up. I'm into it. Yeah. You're like, I can, I can get into prizes. Okay, here's this. the thing. I, I don't want to Apparently, second. apparently the deck can't lose to Saltai. First of all, I don't want to second guess Raph. Sure. So I personally very much like Raph. Second of all, he could kick my butt as he's a black belt of some sort yeah, of yeah. some sort of deadliness. Yes. Um, but I don't get that he only has two copies of the best Merfolk in his deck. <laughs> There's only two tricksters in his deck. Yeah. Right, so I didn't even realize this. I mean, it's obvious, and I think probably the mono blue tempo players who are good, like I'm sure Autumn knows this, right? I'm yeah. Guessing Reed and company know this, but I think that the average player doesn't know this, that... Merfolk Trickster's just a disenchant, right? So if your opponent's just like Chirios Obsession, my guy, and you just Merfolk Trickster in response and it's tapped and doesn't attack now, then the Curious Obsession just goes to the graveyard. Sure. Right? Like, given that knowledge, I feel like a lack of four Merfolk Tricksters in a format of, you know, 30% Curious Obsessions might be an oversight. Separately, Merfolk Trickster gets so many freebies. Like, if somebody's like healer talking you, oh, sure. you let them attack, right? And they're like, all right, Merfolk Trickster drag that shit pile down from the sky, block it, my two-power creature eats the hell out of your sure. one-toughness creature, right. and you don't even gain the life. I mean, we, we've seen that happen with, uh, we've seen that happen with the Jin, right? Yeah. Tempest Jin's getting double-blocked by two two-power creatures after, you know, on the ground. Just like, oh, sorry, it loses flying, loses abilities. Yeah, no, that card, I think that card's great. I mean, I guess maybe they were just worried about being able to go blue-green like they had they, they wanted to be able to play a green one drop. And they were worried about having UU, like, reliably. Well, well, the other thing I'm curious about is that deck not having Curious Obsession, at least in the side. It doesn't seem like a deck you would want to have access to this card. You, you reliably have green on turn two. I'm sorry, blue on turn two, right? Right. I guess Just, like, so. put it I on your Jade Bear I haven't, I haven't built it yet. I'm, just, I'm, out of rare, I'm out of rare wild cards, so I can only build decks that are all Mythics right now. How do you get more wild cards? Just playing more play matches. more play more magic. Play more drafts. I haven't played arena in like three weeks, which is weird, you know. I have I haven't played. I was getting ready for the Mythic Championship. At the Mythic Championship, I did play. So I'm and then I wasn't grinding for the. Top yeah, I eight. do want to just grind for Mythic just to get to Mythic, and then I'm fine with it. I don't need to. trying to grind the top eight is asinine. There's six million people trying to do that right now. Well, they're all done. It's over. No, it no, no, ended no, no, yesterday. But, like, but you know what I'm saying? Like that. Well, this is the last time. This was a one-off. Mode. It's going to be top thousand from now on. 
will get invited to like a two day qualifying event to get down to some small number, I think 16. Oh, uh, top thousand's probably not too difficult to hit. I would just play it, Goblin Chain World. It's probably still super hard. I mean, on a relative scale? I mean, like... I mean, relative to making the top eight? Sure. I mean, like, your win percentage in best of one has to be over 75%, right? Yeah. Right? My my win percentage is certainly over 75%, right? So. Okay. I mean, at that level. Again, remember, you're not just getting paired up against randoms at that point. You're getting paired up against people of comparable uh, ranking. I mean, your 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 win percentage should drift I a little you. southward. I hear you. I'm just saying, like, this is clearly easier than winning a PTQ, right? Sure. Right? Like, I've done that a bunch. So have you, right? It's not. It's not. Three times. You've done it with me by your side. Yes, it's true. But we really needed Tim McKenna for that one. Did we? He, he knew to bounce the canopy crawler. That was that was hot. Bouncing the canopy crawler <laughs> was hot. I, I, I wrote an article about it, right? That was pretty cool. However, I mean, I didn't do a lot of losing that day, even though I had the worst deck by far. Do you remember when I beat the guy with the Exalted Angel? So, so do you know John Sukenik? Of course, son. Do you that know guy we, plays like a god. Do you, do you know we played Jones Sukenik in that PTQ? No. Was he like three years old? He was like three years old. It was like him and his... I think him, his dad, and his sister or something like that. I'd believe it. It was the first time we played him. And then there was another player. In the in the it, Legacy Pro Tour that was not that long ago, I I mean, Sukenik played like a legit god. Uh, he's great. I mean, like... I and The thing that was weird is I played against Sukenik so many times over the years. And usually, like, you know, I, I, I don't think, like... One of us has, like, a huge win percentage over the other one. I think yeah. we probably traded matches over the years. He's, like, he's clearly better than me, right? But, like, I've never... But I played against literally, like, the top players of all time a bunch of times. So I don't get, like, awestruck playing against... Playing against. So just watching him third-party pilot his Delver deck in Legacy, I was just like, this kid is unbelievably good. Like, like the lines he's taking... So uh, when we were... When we claimed we were going to do 52 episodes last year, I talked a little bit about playing Tetris, right? So uh, I've gotten much better at Tetris in the time, and I was already good at Tetris. So this thing called Tetris 99 came out on, on Nintendo Switch, and so Tetris is kind of exciting. And one of the things I did was just like, maybe I'll start streaming. If I can play Tetris and stream that, then I'll be really impressive, and then I'll just play some Magic too, because I, I just want an excuse to start streaming, kind of, right? And yeah. I, which I haven't done. So one of the things I did was I logged into other people playing, playing Tetris, right? The first two people I stream-watched, I was just like, they like finished like second, second, third out of 99 and looked at three matches. I watched and I was just like, I am so much better than this guy. It angers me to watch him play and finish like second, second, third. I'm like monkey tilting on Twitter watching this play. So I go watch a different streamer. This is the thing that kills me. He's a great streamer. He's talking to his stream, et cetera. And, and he plays at a level, I can't even describe his strategy. Like, I can't even use words to describe his strategy. And then all I did was watch tutorials on how to do things that he does at lightning speed unconsciously. Because he plays at a level so much greater than me, I can't, I can't even describe what he's doing. Right? right? His board setups are, and I was just like, which is weird to me because I, I fancy myself really good. Right? Yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm really good. I don't even know what good is compared to this guy. It's crazy, his setups. Like, they don't make any sense, and then like he's just crushing, right? But he he is he plays for like this intricate mid game sequence, and then the thing that got me like the splash of cold water in the face is like he has like thirty three viewers. <laughs> so I'm like, 
If somebody this good could have 33 viewers, I don't know about the Tetris Endgame on Switch. <laughs> but that, that's what, kind of what I'm saying. Like, when we try to evaluate players, like, as, and I'm, we're talking, both of us have been around the Pro Tour. I played in Pro Tour in like season one or two, right? Played off and on for years. Super high capability to play in amateur I events. I played off and off for years. Yeah. The average viewer cannot even reasonably describe the the things that are going on at like at, at some level and like they don't even have language do, do, do you you're I, I think you're do you remember when you did when I was doing I was doing uh, uh, Sunday commentary but then I missed one and you did the duff bluff double bluff yeah, yeah. and then I came back and did the next one yeah and I said to you I could never have done the bluff double bluff you did a god level commentary for that one and I didn't even understand what was going on to me I was just like why does he just attack it's not clear that I understood what was going on it was it was a great moment I, I couldn't get past it remember when like Olivier just misplays on the second turn and everyone just like so fixated on what Craig's gonna do and I'm just like if you just played the right land on the second turn we wouldn't be having this conversation <laughs> yeah by the way multiple people on my retirement announcement yeah. just like cited the lightning helix moment to me and I'm not sure if they thought I was you or Randy Bueller but I had nothing to do with that moment yes that was uh, I that was, was there that standing was near the booth that was like out. Randy going crazy and me being like yeah I guess it's exciting if Olivier put the correct land on turn two he would have destroyed him right <laughs> yeah yeah but well, I don't know yeah. whatever Olivier's in the hall of fame he's in the hall of fame he, right? is. he is he is um and uh, don't even have the language. Yeah. And so, uh, what is what is uh, next for you from a basketball slash magic slash gaming slash movie uh, watching perspective? Working on game with Zeke. Yeah. Uh, small team working on it for the next few months. Um, more announcements on that coming soon, but really exciting, really fun. Are you like? rubbing elbows with like the the super rich most powerful people in the world um I would say I've heard of their elbows yeah but I would not say I'm rubbing them yeah but are they rubbing yours no secretly no no not yet we'll are see they, are they like rubbing a dollar bill up and down your <laughs> exposed leg no <laughs> like a cheap hussy um no I'm not I'm not cheap <laughs> so you can't be fought <laughs> can I can imagine. All right, everyone. Brian's in shorts. <laughs> um, a financier comes up with with a like single a, like a financier, like a cake, <laughs> with a single George Washington, <laughs> rubs it up to Brian's knees, like, "Hey, BDM, you be my historian. I'll give you equity. <laughs> um, a dollar's worth. Yeah. So." So that I mean that's a big thing. I, I want to play some magic. I want to I want to actually you know, I kind of want to go to London anyway. And do you think they can give you like a lifetime I, achievement invite? I want just to ask. I don't, for I don't one. want an invite. I just want to play in the. I actually just want to play in the GP. I want to play in the pre-release Grand Prix. That's kind of what I want to do. And then like wait, wait, but the but cards then, will be all announced before this happens. They, they right? will, but it'll still be the first time anyone gets to play with them at that at that kind of level of play. It's super exciting. I want to do that, but in general, I want to. I want to actually go. I would like to go to one or two GPs this year, 
and, and playing them or an SCG or whatever. I was very. There's an SCG the weekend of my birthday, March 15th, where in Philadelphia. It's modern. There's Roman also, Fusco is coming. There's also a Team Limited GP in Providence coming up. Well, that's at least one word that I'm not going to. So here's my thing. We, Ro- we have success in I this know, format. So Roman says to me, he's just like, why don't you ever draft? I'm like, because I don't have time to be good at it. So my strategy is, if I'm actually on the pro tour, then I will focus and I will try to be one of the best drafters I possibly can. And you know, and I've had really high win percentage in limited, even on the pro tour level, when surrounded high by players. High winning percentage, who, rem- memorizing Ben Stark's pick order. Ben Stark taught me a pick order. <laughs> I beat Ben Stark with it. <laughs> right? That must that, that must be the rub, right? I literally beat Ben for the table. <laughs> but um, yeah, but I mean, but put the work in, more or less, right? right. So, but I'll put literally just put the work. I mean, I drafted a lot. Like we played. That's I never played FNM before. Then. Yeah. There are top eight magics with us and Craig Wesco, right, going to FNM, and I won those FNM drafts. Not sure. Craig. Craig was like a two of them. Um, but you know, just put the work in. But like, if I'm not qualified for the Pro Tour, I can't. I just don't have the bandwidth for so that. So you're saying you're not going to play with me in Providence? Who's our third? Oh, well, Roman. Roman? I'm a Roman. That sounds like a dead money team. <laughs> Hang out. I can hang out with my daughter while she make, still thinks we, I'm cool. We can make Satan play. I can hang out with my daughter while she still thinks I'm cool. She's we, a teenager now. We could make Steve Satan play. He will be the best player on our team. There is no time. There is a, there is a time. But no time in the last decade and a half that that wouldn't have been true. Sure, but he hasn't played a lot of magic lately, so... You know, we, we get a little bit of a catch-up mechanic there, but not much. Yeah, but that's not, that can't be See, our objective. Steve, Steve showed up at the World Championship in Boston, yeah. what, two years ago now? And he, to hang out with us, yeah. and he just smashed everyone in draft. He's like, oh, these cards look good. He's like, what if I try this deck? Like, oh, no one's tried that before, Steve. Oh, wow, that was really good. Um, yeah. So I'm going to do that. But movies, I mean, I'm excited for Captain Marvel. Steve uh, might be coming up next week, but actually, to see Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel's already getting the Last Jedi treatment from the RTs, I don't, right? I don't really care. I'm going to see it. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm not attributing any, any yeah. value to that. But besides, the, have you ever seen The Last Jedi yet? No. It was so bad. I know, I know, I know. It I deserved it. it. I just don't want to talk movie. about it. I just haven't seen it. I'll see it eventually. Um, I watched a few minutes of it, and it's there was like, it was like a weird... It's really it was like a weird crank yankers kind of moment with a prank phone call in space. And that was a little weird to the me. Entire movie. It was a little weird to me. And I love Ryan Johnson. Like, he's one of my favorite directors. He, he did Looper, right? He did Looper. He did Brick. He did The Brothers Bloom, which is secretly amazing that nobody knows about. I haven't seen any he's of those. Cr- I've seen Looper. I thought You've we- never seen Brick? No. How did you not see Brick? It was like a it was like a Finkel movie club staple I didn't for see years. It. There is no such thing as a Finkel Movie Club staple. Uh, everybody get shown once more. Or less. I understand, but everyone. I, I actually want to go go to Movie Club now. All right. John retweeted when I said that. Like Mark Young was like, "Oh, congrats! Good luck on your next venture." I'm like, "Oh, maybe I get to go to a movie club once in a while now that Wednesdays aren't my weekend because that would be kind of it, right? I would come home on Monday and then like Tuesday and Wednesday I'd just like lie around in a completely unformed molecular state." Recover and then sort of claim you're going to podcast and then claim I'm going to podcast, not leave the house, and then get on a plane, go to an event, right, and then rinse, repeat. But now that Wednesdays are, am I not even allowed to talk about this? Is talking about this something that violates some ethos of the movie club? No. Oh, okay. That's not really a problem. I don't know, man. 
But so I, so I, so I said, you know, hey, maybe I'll get to go. And then Finkel retweeted that. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay, John. Uh, what do you think about the card Growth Chamber Guardian? Uh, I've been playing Growth Chamber Guardian forever. Uh, almost <laughs> no, no, almost. It can't since, have been more than like three since, months. Right? Almost since it's been released, though. Like uh, I was playing as V Simic deck. Yeah. With, did he uh, play that deck at the Pro Tour? He did not. He played Mono Blue. He did not do a lot of winning with it, but that seemed like a lot of bad matchup stuff. Um, but yeah, no, the Simic. He he was big on Growth Chamber Guardian. He was one of the first people to to talk about that card, and it's. It's really cool. Very powerful. Very grindy. So I think that the green-blue Wilderness Reclamation deck should sideboard that card instead of the cards that it currently sideboards. Sure. It does so. It does like all the things that they want to do with these other cards. Compacts it into a smaller package of cards, and then I actually I really think it should play that in two guys' blessings. And then the growth here regarding it's become an infinite engine. I, do you, so we've t- you and I have talked about this on days where we said we were going to podcast yeah. and then we haven't. Um, I want to do that more than any. I, I desperately, desperately so, want to do that. So I was explaining this to Roman, and he. What he, else can we exploit so, with that? So Rome, so Roman played the cyborg strategy that I that I recommended for for blue green and the PTQ. At uh, he didn't win, right? But he's just like this is absolutely the correct strategy, right? So the reason that it's good is if you're playing, let's call it the mirror, right? Like it doesn't matter. There's a whole class of decks which include Jeskai control, Esper control, other wilderness reclamation decks, Gates decks, etc. Where there's a tension between uh, finite and infinite resources over time, right? The the wilderness reclamation decks have what is functionally an infinite source of threats because Nexus of Fate always comes back, right? Right. So the so the tension is whether your answers are frilled mystics, sinister sabotages, disdainful strokes, negates, whatever, you have a finite number of answers sure. relative to an infinite number of must counters over time, right? Like over the course of a limited number of draw steps that doesn't necessarily become that fight. Right. But if you go to like they eventually just stick one and then you go to fifty just... draw steps, it actually matters yeah. a lot, right? With the paradigm And once they force one through then it's, the next it's one, over. Especially it's if they over. have a flip search for a Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what so I mean. The thing is, when you incorporate Gaia's Blessing into your deck, you now have a more infinite source of answers than they have an infinite source of threats. Plus, is it, is it your source of answers they, is actually more do they infinite. Kill, do they kill your Growth Chamber Guardians? Oh, no, no. So there's two things that are going on, right? In okay. some matchups, having an infinite number of Growth Chamber Guardians is great. Because the, because the upper limit of mana consumption with the card wilderness reclamation is only is only twenty, right? Right. But so, but like so they they're gonna eventually kill them and you get them back and it's an infinite sort of source of card advantage. What I'm talking about is a different element from Guy's blessing, which is I have now an infinite number of sinister sabotages. <laughs> right. Like if you're like so so this is my first deck. And I'm completely serious about this. Yeah, right? so like am I. I, have, like, I mean, this is this if is I have like, like three sinister sabotages, two negates, and a and a disdainful stroke. I can plausibly counter every card that matters in your deck forever because I I use my I use my search for his content on a different paradigm than you, and that's that. So and then I'm just beat you remember, you, I just beat you down with you, my growth chamber do you, guardian. Do you remember when like you were a kid? It's gonna be a little. It's gonna get a little sorted, but you know, and you find or acquire some piece of pornography and you're just kind of like for me it was and you're like hanging out with some people and you know that you have that piece of you're like I gotta go that's how I feel right now with this okay. with this deck for me we'll end on this <laughs> for me that piece of pornography 
was the movie Friday the 13th Part 2, which played at 11 p.m. on a Friday night once. I VHS'd it, and they didn't, the local Fox news station, that was a local Fox affiliate, didn't scramble vision the scene where the, where the, the, the young, nubile, about-to-be-murdered girl skinny dips into the... Ooh. So what we would do, this is a group activity. <laughs> we would play that scary movie, and we would just hit pause while she's, like, going into the lake. And she's going to be murdered in the next scene, right? Yeah. And we're like, nice. <laughs> Look at that. Nice. That's the closest I ever got. I did have a friend, when I was in the third grade, I, had a, I lived in a small town in the foothills of Appalachia. You probably didn't know this about me. Before, I did not know Before that. I moved to Cleveland. And uh, my, my did friend... I know you were Pennsylvania. Yeah, I was. I was. I mean, toothless... <laughs> Toothless freaking you have, you have tobacco. Like, do you have like a turkey chained up in the front yard? No, but my neighbors heard. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, the so my friend, his dad owned like a local small grocery store, like yeah. an independent grocery store, and they had approximately three copies of Playboy and or Penthouse magazine in the back. And, like, I remember one month it was the one that Madonna was in. They had, like, her early photos of uh, black and white pictures from when she was a, oh, sure. a struggling artist. In wait, wait, when that, like, when she, when her, like, fame, like, first crested. No, no, before and, she was famous, no, she but didn't. I, no, 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 I, I know she did, but I'm saying, like, she became famous, and people were like, oh, yeah, oh, I have does anyone know anyone who has naked pictures of this person? Yep. Like, oh, I do. And they were sold to Playboy and Penthouse, I oh, think. Yeah. And so I did sneak a peek at some of those, like, but the problem for me was that I, I soon moved to Cleveland and right when I was friends with that kid. But I, I soon moved to Cleveland where they just give you pornography in your lunch no. pail. And I, 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 I was a professional babysitter for, you know, up until I was like 13, 14. That's where I got my comics money. Watched a lot of Scramble Vision uh, as a babysitter, but not. I, I didn't really have good access uh, until you know I was more or less old enough to acquire it. So I didn't. I didn't have the impulse that you have right now. I think you should go sleeve up that deck, and um, it'll be blue and green. And oh, I I, I I always had an entrepreneurial streak, even about pornography. Like I had someone who would send me pornography when I was in uh, sleepaway camp, and I just sold it. Nice. I made a lot of money. That was just and a... pornography, I mean Playboy. That was like a portent of your future career as a, a hawker of comic books and other yes, cardboard. Yes, so, right. interesting, Interesting note to end the podcast on. <laughs> Maybe we'll edit this out. But probably not. We? First of all, I'm going to hit pause, Stop. email this to Canada, and, be, and they're going to be like, hey, do you have any show notes? And I'm going to be like, ask Brian... <laughs> And you're going to ignore the email, and it's going to go up the way that it is. I see. Like it always does. Damn it. Well, Hi. that is taking the <laughs> name in vain. <laughs> I think that we're going to have to have a note at 118, Carrie Dan. No <laughs> name in vain. All right. This has been Top 8 Magic. Brian David Marshall, Michael J. Flores. We'll see you soonish. Su- super soonish. Brian doesn't have the Wednesday weekend anymore. Yeah, so sure. And, and I have a backup podcast I'm also sending. All right. GB. 